Good afternoon. Welcome everyone to our Harmonious Marriage Podcast. We are so excited to have a special guest, Hannah Ruchel Schusterman from Los Angeles, who is an incredible, incredible example to the LA community and beyond in regards to education and helping many in the Jewish community needing guidance in Shaduchim and marriage. Chana Rachel, your specialties are in education and spiritual counseling, bitachon, amuna, and with a master's in literature and teaching since 19, you have got so much to give. As an educator, you teach Hasidus, personal growth, Parsha, Kabbalah, and Shaduchim. It all ties into Shaduchim. And we are so excited to have you on our podcast in connection with helping those who are still looking for their soulmate, for their shidduch, to give us some pointers and some help to point parents and those in the Parsha in the right direction. Can you tell me about your background in education and specifically how you came to connect with this area? Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to to be with you. Uh, I was quite young. Uh, I I finished with uh, college at 19. I had no intention of being a teacher at all. But since I graduated in February, I thought that I would just teach for, uh, uh, you know, just that one term and then go on to the other exciting things that might come up. But much to my shock and displeasure, I realized that I was a teacher after a couple of weeks. That was it. And that was that was that. I was a teacher. There was nothing I could do. That was that was the gift. So I've been teaching since 19. I started with junior high school, then I went into high school. Then when I was in Israel, I taught in seminary in Mihlala. Uh and this this is what I do. I educate. I also have a, a coaching degree, but I'm more of an educator than a coach. And then at a certain point, when I thought of going into something else, I got an answer from the Rebbe, teach, write, and then there was more, but education seems to be what I am meant to be doing. Wow. What an amazing, incredible start to such a long Baruch Hashem career in teaching and educating. So I and know now you- I teach adults, which is what I like. <laughs> I like to teach adults. That's what I do. That's unbelievable how much you are doing, Baruch Hashem, and Hashem should give you kayach to continue doing what you're doing. And my Amen. next question is a little bit loaded, but you mentioned you were in Eretz Israel. So how did you end up in Los Angeles marrying Rabbi Shusterman? That's an interesting question. Well, I was in Eretz Israel, and I came to visit New York and at a certain point, and my parents. And at a certain point, I asked the Rebbe about uh, a shidduch, and the Rebbe said that I should go to Shatchanim because that's the way it's ordinarily done. And I understood that the Rebbe meant that I should network. And at a certain point, uh, at, so then I I got a list of people in Eretz Yisrael to talk to. And one of them was Nechama Greisman of Blessed Memory. We became good friends. And at the right time, she thought of her brother. When he became available, he had been married and he was a widower. And she realized this was it. And then she talked to me and we both, we all realized that was it. And we did get married. 
And okay. that's how that happened, Baruch Hashem. So you ended up raising Kanina Hara, a very large family. Yes, so from very, got... very young children. Mm -hmm. Wow, and you've got a lot of experience then with Shaduchim as well, I would imagine. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Married them all off, Baruch Hashem. Yes, and, and... I have to say that after I got engaged, Nehemiah Greisman asked me to give a talk for the English-speaking women in Yerushalayim on Shaduchim. And I laughed about that. I said, okay, so I'm engaged for two and a half minutes and now I'm an expert in Shaduchim. And then I thought, actually I am because I had gone out a lot. The Rebbe, I had guidance from the Rebbe. I had guidance from a tzaddik in Yerushalayim and I had a lot to say. And I did give that talk and that was the beginning. Wow, wow. Sounds unbelievable. And your story is so inspiring and it gives chizuk to everybody. And I'm wondering in your experience, you know, coming from that whole story, what do you think is the most challenging issue facing couples or singles today that are in this Parsha? So a lot of people have expectations and some of those expectations are from all kinds of places, from movies, from, uh, from what they see out there from posters, what they're expecting. And some of that is not a Torah expectation. And that's a problem when people are expecting something unrealistic. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So can I ask you, with all the advancements in Shaduchim and the way things have evolved, and even with mental health stigmas being removed, why are people struggling so much? Well, first of all, people need to be real when they're dating. And a lot of times, one of the falseness, falsenesses is that people are worried, will she like me? Will he like me? Will he think I'm pretty? Pictures are not helpful in many ways because they give false superficial ideas. And, and then they're not real. And in terms of looking for a shidduch, a person has to be very real and see what's in front of them. So they have to listen to what's being said, understand who the person is to the best of their ability. And then they have to be real with it. If they see something that doesn't or hear something that doesn't seem right, they have to not hide from it, but perhaps ask questions and try to understand what's going on. Because when you're not married and you are dating, it's like you're in the store and you're considering whether you should buy this or not buy this. Mm -hmm. But once you're married, then there has to be dedication and then you look for the good. So when you're dating, you have to see what's real and what's there. But when you're married, you have to say, this is who I chose, this is who I recognize, and now I have to see his good. And we have to know we can't change other people. And that's one of the reasons that when people are dating, they should not think, well, I'm going to change that person. That's unrealistic. Could it happen to some degree? Yeah, but not really. We have to change ourselves and we see how hard it is to change and grow. So we have to understand that we're the ones that we need to work on ourselves when we're married. When we're going out, we have to see if this one's right for me. So on that vein regarding, you know, looking with a good eye and saying this is what I chose and I want to see the good, et cetera. How can we use 
the Torah in our relationship with our spouses once we've made that choice? How can we enhance it with through the Torah? This is a very interesting question. For one thing, uh, we the Torah is giving us values. We have to look at the good in the other person. But it's interesting that in Hasidus, it says that the man is Chachma and the woman is Bina. And the inner quality of Chachma is Bittel. That means self-nullification. Talk about what that means in a minute. And Bina, the inner quality, is Simcha. Mm. So what a man wants is that his that he should be received by his wife, that he should be able to speak to her and share things, and that she is happy and interested to hear what he has to say. So he wants to know that she's going to listen, that she's going to be interested. So that's very important for her to know that when he comes home from work or whatever it is he's doing to at the table, ask him, how was your day? How was it today? How was this or that? And to listen and to try to understand how it was for him, something he really wants. If he feels heard, then he feels like somebody. If he doesn't feel heard, he feels like a nobody. And that's not so good. Mm -hmm. But what he really wants from his wife is that she's happy. Mm -hmm. But a woman's happiness is not just because of her husband. She has to be happy because she's happy. But when he sees that she's happy, he feels that he makes her happy. So that's something that she could do. Another Torah point is how we speak to each other. To speak with kindness. And even when we're giving criticism, to do it in a gentle way, in a kind way. To say thank you. To ask for something and recognize that we're being given something. So all of these qualities that we learn in Torah, we need to have in marriage also, and not to take each other for granted. Beautiful. Um, so can you give a personal example of how your techniques that you just spoke about helped you personally? You mean the marriage techniques? Yeah. That's very interesting about the simcha and the bittal. It's a beautiful way to look at it. So... Look, this is this is always ongoing that we're meant to be besimcha. It's a service of Hashem. You do what Hashem besimcha. So that's something everybody has to work on. So when our husbands see that we're happy, they they're happy. Right. If they feel like they can't make us happy, like I said before, they feel like a nothing. But we have to work on our simcha for ourselves, and part of what makes us feel joy is gratitude. Yeah. So we have to have gratitude for what we have and gratitude for for what we receive. And if there's something that we ask for and we see that he's giving it to us, we have to let him know that we appreciate it. And there are many times that men do small things because men are different than women. So a man, if a man sees that his wife is sitting at the desk and it's dark in that corner, he may go to the store, buy a light bulb, bring it home, get on the ladder, take down the old one, put on the new one, throw away the old one, and then leave you a desk that has is well lit. And it's important to notice that. For him, that's giving. And remember, when he's giving, it's he wants to be received. And so when we see that light up there, we realize, wait a minute, I'm seeing my keyboard now. 
then we have to be able to say, that was so nice of you. That's so thoughtful. You. I appreciate it so much. Yeah. And then he feels that we that we got the gift, that we received the gift that he gave. Beautiful. So that's an example. I love that. I love that. Um, we mentioned before that you teach Parsha and personal growth, etc. And you're known as a spiritual teacher, right? Can you explain what that means and you know how you bring that to to your clients or to your students? Well, I can tell you my own story that when I was single, uh, it was taking a while there. So I thought that I would stop teaching and become a therapist. Mm-hmm. So I wrote to the Rebbe that, well, it's not happening with the Shidduchim. So I decided to become a therapist and I gave the Rebbe choices, PhD, uh, master's in social work. And the Rebbe's answer was basically to do what I could to get the right Shidduch. Mm-hmm. And that was the end of that. That was the answer. I was shocked. So in, so, but I didn't give up so fast. And I, so I wrote to the Rebbe another letter. Should I teach? Do therapy, write. So teach and write were circled. And on the left, and Rabbi Klein of Blessed Memory showed it to me, the Rebbe wrote, low therapy, no therapy. Wow. Now, it took me a little while to understand what that meant. And I'll tell you what that meant in a moment. But then after I got married, I put in a card, like a business card, spiritual teacher and counselor. And I did get a brocha on that. So what's the difference? Therapy, what did the, the Rebbe mean by low therapy? For me, that's not for everybody. Therapy means that for me would be looking for the problems that people have, trying to fix them, solve it, looking basically for the low, for the no, and then trying to fix it. But spiritual teacher and counselor means Look for the good, look for the chassidus, look how you can bring out their depth. And that's what I really like to do. So that's my stuff. Beautiful. That is so beautiful. Wow. Um, Can you tell me perhaps about some of your success stories in this arena, like looking for the good and maybe even if this helps with your coaching for Shaduchim about looking for the good? Well, I'll tell you one example. This happened a very long time ago. Um, somebody that I knew, I knew the boy and I knew the girl because they lived not so far from where we lived. And each of them went to Eretz Yisrael to learn. After some time, the Bahar called me up and said, I would like to marry her, but I'm not sure if this is the right thing. So I asked some of the questions that I would ask. Does she have the good qualities that you would like? Yes, 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 yes. Everything is good. So what's the problem? (laughs) And he said, the problem is that all my friends, when they get engaged, they're, wow, I can't believe it. I found the right girl. And I feel like I would like to marry her just like that. So I can't tell if this is right or wrong. And this was many, many years ago when I when this came up. And my first thought was, how am I supposed to know? Well, my second thought was, well, if I'm being asked, then I'm supposed to know. Right. And it occurred to me to ask him this question. So 
at that time we lived in a town, not a city. I mean, I guess it's a city, but not, not a big city. And in that place, people needed cars. So I asked him, how old were you when you got your first car? And he said, 17. And I said, and how did you feel about that? And he said, good. And then I said, you can marry her. He said, what? And I, I, I said to him, if you would tell me, wow, I get a car and I'd like to marry her. <clears throat> then I would have to look further into why he's not enthusiastic. But this is who he, who he was at that time. If he wasn't excited about a car, he was happy about the car. He was happy about the girl. They got married. And I think he became much more enthusiastic as time went on because of who she was. But I discovered that, and this is, I suppose, my specialty, is helping people to know how they know. Wow. And this was an opportunity to help him see what's right for him, how it works for him. And that's something I have to tell people quite often. It, you have to know in the way that you know. Right. It's interesting because my father-in-law, maybe Gazunt, he once said to my husband at the time when he was dating me, you know, he's like, so how do we know? Because, you know, what's, what's going to happen? Is something going to happen? And he said, if it's the right one, nobody can convince you out of it. And when it's the wrong one, no one can convince you into it. And I thought that was a little pearl of wisdom. And I'm, really wondering, I'm wondering, you know, your thoughts on that and about knowing yourself and what you're looking for. Like, can you give examples of what it is important to look for, for a boy or for a girl? Because I find, and I'm also in Shadokim with helping others, sometimes the boys or girls don't even really know what they're looking for. I think that people can know what they're looking for. Um, one, I think people know what character traits they want. Mm -hmm. uh, they want, they may want somebody kind or funny or somebody who gets things done, or they can come up with what they want. And you have to remember that everybody has seen their mother or their father or their brothers or their sisters, and they have ideas about what works and what could work. Um, but it's important to bring this down to what's important to me, not what other people think is important. So I help people work with that, usually on, on a first session. That's one of the things we do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so so that's, that's really big, to, to know what it is that I'm looking for. If you don't know at all what you're looking for, that's very difficult. That's like going into you know, going into a mall. So a lot of people like to wander around. They're, they're not trying to buy anything anyway. They just want to spend an hour relaxing. Yeah. Shopping, window shopping. They just walk around. Everything looks good, but they have no idea what they're looking for. But if somebody says, I need this, I need to have it for this weekend, and I want it to be like that, then they know which store to go into. And they ask, where can I find this? And it's a limited, it's limited. And if they don't have that, you leave the store and go to another store. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really important for people. But I think that that these are the questions, these what they're looking for is something that has to be seen in the dating. Yeah. That when you're asking them questions, 
you have to see what the results are. You also have to see how they behave on a date. Mm -hmm. What are they doing? You can see if they're kind or funny or patient. You can see all of this on the date. You know, it's interesting. I wasn't going to mention this, but on one of our dates, we ended up, we were in Los Angeles and we ended up in a very large car park. By the time we parked, about 250 or 300 cars came after us. So when we finished the date, we could not find our car. But it was so nice to see somebody so patient and relaxed looking for their car. We had so much fun just looking for the car and nobody lost it. I thought, you see, under pressure, he works well. He's lost his car among 600 cars and he's on a date and he's got to be in his best, you know, best place. And there's no car and we can't get home. And yet we went through each car and that was the best part at the end, like watching That's how really nice. we act under such um, tense, could, could have been tense circumstances, but it wasn't. And we all just laughed about it. It was just very sweet. And I agree with you. you there will be things on the dates that will come up and you can watch your interaction with waiters, with people who yes. were or taxi or in the, let's say it's a restaurant or wherever you go, how they interact with other people, how they open the door for other people, not just for you, et cetera, et cetera. I think you could see a lot. Um, I, I have some car park stories, but I'll just tell you one. Sure. We have a son. First of all, the girls need to understand that when the boys come it costs a lot of money. They can be traveling from out of town, plane tickets, renting a car, taking them to a place that, that can charge $8 for a glass of water. It's not so simple. And the boys are very worried that they're that the girls are going to think that they're stupid or reject them without much of a chance to, to see who they are. Mm -hmm. So so our son was uh, in a car. He rented the car and he... After the date, he said, he called me up and he said, she's so nice. Now, that's not the girl he married, but he said, she's so nice. She's so kind. And I said, what happened? And he told me that there he was on the way to the hotel. And he got there and he drove around the block once to find a parking space and he didn't find one. And the parking was $40, $50. And he really didn't want to park there. But he went around the block once and he's starting to feel a little bit like a failure. Mm -hmm. And so he started heading to, for the car park that was going to be expensive. The girl saw exactly what was going on. And she had enough sensitivity to say, you know, we're not in a rush. We don't have to park in the hotel. Why don't we go around the block once or twice? And, you know, let's see if we find another, if we find a space. When It's not a hurry. And he was able to feel like she's not going to think I'm stupid. Right. She doesn't mind. Right. And it worked. You know, she wasn't wearing super high heels. She wasn't in a situation where she was annoyed that she would have to walk for a minute. And he appreciated her kindness. And, and it's so important on the date for each person to see what the other person needs and to be there for them. You know what? You just reminded me of something when you said extra kind. So I was also, I came back from Russia and I was in summer, like summer. And then I came to date and we I went straight to meet him. Um, and he asked me on the first date, it was, I think it was on the first date. He said, we were going somewhere that you needed to go for a long way. So would you like the bathroom? And would you like me to hold your bag so you can go? And I thought that was so nice. Like I never really... Um, mentioned it, but now that I'm thinking, when you talk about being nice, 
when he asks me to hold my bag so I can go relax to the bathroom without having to worry. And it, you know, I just felt at ease that someone asked me, I would have yes. probably been embarrassed. Like, can I use the bathroom? Do you know what I mean? But that's right. Very sensitive. Yeah. Extra sensitive and extra kind. The boys need to realize girls are also under pressure and they might need to go to the bathroom or, or I don't know, fix their lipstick, whatever it is. And they just want to be calm, calm and comfortable and not have to ask. So perhaps, perhaps even asking her, would you like, would you like a drink? Or would you like to have a break? You know, would you like to go to the bathroom to give her the opportunity? And these are examples of kindness. And I know uh, from our previous conversations, we talked about Yerushalayim, which is also so important. And how you mentioned that the couple will develop and grow with each other. And how important it is, someone who's looking to grow. Can we develop yes. that thought? Because I think that is really important and not very much um, talked about in the community. Believe it or not, not everybody works on growing. Some people feel like they're fine the way they are and they have a picture of who they are. And that's not wonderful. Yeah. Because if they don't feel good about themselves, they don't know how to work on that. It's good to, to be a person who works on growing Mm-hmm. And then it's good to be to be married to a person who works on growing. So that's something that if we recognize that that's important to us, then we can find that in the other person. Yeah. Yerat is essential because either person is Yerat or they're not. They want what Hashem wants or they don't. Yeah. And if that's not important to them, then they're not going to be people who work on growing or they grow in a very superficial way. But if a person is thinking, what would Hashem like me to do in this situation? Then they can grow because they say, I need to meet up to what Hashem wants from me. So I think that's something very important to, to look for is a person who grows and also a year Shemaim. I'm curious, I, um, this is not on the agenda, but I'm curious how one can- Feel ask- free. <laughs> I'm curious how one can ask the question if someone is a growing person, if it wasn't mentioned, if it wasn't brought up before. And it's an, it is a very important question. You know, are you happy where you are? Are you looking to grow? Like, how would one ask that question in a very respectful way? So I think that parents can ask a lot of questions when they're checking into somebody. Mm-hmm. And the method that I used was multiple choice questions. Yeah. So I would say, so is this person, you know, happy with who he is? Does he try to grow? Is he a person who would you say he works on himself or he's very easygoing, just goes with the flow? Just throw in a bunch of questions, not necessarily related to each other. But what was very astounding is that I discovered that people like multiple choice questions and people started talking a lot. And then people started asking me multiple choice questions. And I knew that my method had caught on. That's fantastic. I think that some of these questions are very important to ask. Right. Because if you don't ask the questions in advance, you won't know. Right. Right. Also with a girl, if she's meeting somebody or he's meeting her, it's okay to say, um, well, it depends, depends on the situation, but you have to find ways to ask the question, like, for example, uh, when you're, let's say that it's a, a bacher who's in yeshiva still, mm-hmm. you can say, so tell me, uh, tell me about what you're learning. Does that, do you feel like that makes a change in your life? 
in what way does your learning, does it help you grow? Is it something that, you know, it's more intellectual for you or it's something that you feel you could use? So you can also do that kind of thing. And let's see what he says. Now, it's not a problem if he says that, you know, that he's learning Talmud. It just helps him to understand situations. But then you can say, but that, then you're getting a mind that is good for understanding situations. You find that that's practical for you in terms of growing, in terms of your life. So you keep going back for what you need until right. you find that you got the answer. Right. That's so interesting. And I'm wondering as well, you know, a lot of boys or girls sometimes feel a little bit of burnout if they're going out, like you're talking about going out and not meeting the right one could get a little bit cynical or maybe lose the connection of wanting to go and Shadokim. I understand that you could be the, maybe the last place people connect to, like you're one of those coaches that can help people. Um, I'm wondering what kind of pointers can you give to people who are dating to keep them feeling positive and fresh and not burning out? So that a lot of times when people come to me, it's because they are First of all, of course, I teach people how to date. That's usually one session. But sometimes when they're in the midst of the dating and they're not sure what's going on and they don't know how they're going to know, then they come to me. And that's kind of my specialty. But in terms of burnout, I went through that myself. And I found that, and I, I feel this is essential in marriage and in everything else. Uh, the Baal Shem Tov spoke about being new all the time that Hashem makes the world new in every moment tamid all the time that we're constantly new mm -hmm. now when a person feels that they're old first of all don't count how many people you're going out with right. it's like notches on a belt and the belt you can't even close it anymore because it's sometimes has too many notches on it but don't count be new each time that you meet somebody. Yeah. I remember once, this is really sad, but it's true. I can remember where I was, where I was in Yerushalayim. I was going to go out on a date with somebody and I felt like, oh, why do I think this is going to work? Mm. Oh, I was just not in the mood. And I remember that I started to talk to Hashem, mm. help me to be new, mm. help me to be new. Help me to make this moment new. Help me to look at this person in a new way. Mm -hmm. And by the time I got there, it worked. Hashem answered me and I felt new. And I was able to look at the person in a new way. And I also have to say that sometimes you meet somebody for a different reason than what it seems like. You meet somebody because... They, there's somebody that I remember, I went out with someone, I'm going to tell the story, but I heard a story of Hashkacha Pratis from that person that was absolutely amazing. That's the reason I met that person. Mm. There was another person I met and he was, wow, a, a Diana, amazing big person. And we had an amazing deep conversation and I was able to show him something that he didn't know something about. And it was really beautiful, but we weren't right for each other. But I remember the conversation, and I'm sure he does too. It was a very deep, meaningful conversation. So we have to understand that sometimes when we meet somebody on a date, that might not be the person we marry, 
but there may be a reason that we're marrying that, that we're meeting that person. And we have to be new and look for the good in it and also give it a chance. Sometimes it's not exactly what we expected, right? but go forward and see what it is. And then I leave with gratitude, leave with gratitude. You met this person for whatever reason, Hashem. I remember, now I remember what happened when that person that I was davening to be new, I just pictured it where I met him. This is a long time ago. And I remember thinking, this is, this is, he's not for me. And then he asked what I would like to drink. And I wanted a cup of tea and the tea came. And I was in that moment, like, I don't understand why I'm in here in this moment. And all I could do was be in the present. And I said a bracha on the cup of tea that might've been the best bracha I ever said. I was so in the present that I really spoke to Hashem. And I remember saying, aha, that's why I met him, to learn how to say a real bracha. Wow, that is <laughs> powerful. And it puts like a hashgacha practice spin on any time someone's been out on a date and nothing came out of it. But yes, something did come out of it. The two of you had yes. to meet for whatever reason. And you learned something from each other that will help you yes. become a person for the next date. Um, Absolutely. I wasn't going to say the story either, but... My mother used to have uh, in our house, my parents, Baruch Hashem, and they had people living mm. in the basement. And she once heard a boy crying. And she never mixes in the business. But when she heard him crying, she went downstairs and knocked on the door and whatever his name is, Maisha. Maisha, Maisha, open up what's going on. And he said, I just dated my 13th girl and it didn't work out. I'm devastated. What's wrong with me? He said, what's wrong with you, Mrs. Golden? She goes, there's nothing wrong with you. Hold on. We had a relative that was already on their way back to their city in a taxi on the way to a plane. She called her up. Let's call her Chaya. She said, Chaya, quick, I found your bashat. Come back. I don't know why I never thought of it. She made her turn around in the taxi. This girl came. They met each other. And that was the girl that he married. And they lived happily. Amazing. Her, Hashem. You Amazing. Know, if he didn't go through that, it maybe never have come up. That idea may never have entered into anyone's mind, but because my mother cared to go down and see how he was, and he was crying like when I made Sarkarasi, you know, he was calling Hashem, like he was so down. And my mother said, I have the girl for you. And that was it. So you never know. And I love what you're saying. Like each one builds on the next. That's beautiful. That's right. and it gives meaning to the people that they went out with. It gives meaning. And instead of, oh, what a failure. No, there's a reason Hashem wanted me. This is not from me. This is from Hashem. And there was there's a meaning to it. And when you have meaning, like Victor Frankl said, you can get through yes. it. That's yes. really beautiful. I love what you're saying. I love that. Absolutely. And you can use that tool in anything. You wake up in the morning, you're not in the mood of driving in carpool or whatever. Renew me, Hashem. So I should have kayak and speak nicely to my kids in the morning or go to yes. my... Yes. You can use it. It's so very important in marriage also. To start new every day, not yes. to say, oh, yesterday you didn't do the thing I asked you to do. That's like holding on to the old. But yes. when we're new and we start the day new, good morning, you know, and then however we, we then we have a sense of humor. And when, when it's the children and they didn't put away what they promised to put away or they were supposed to, you know, make their put their snacks in their lunch and they didn't. Yes. And instead of rolling your eyes, you just say, whatever you say, just start new. Oh, I see you don't have snacks. Come take a few things and put them in right now with patience, always with patience. 
because the newness is what allows us to have patience because we have that moment. You know, I spoke once to a young girl who went through a specific schooling system, not, not in Chabad. And at that time she was not, um, she wasn't so religious. And I said, what's the one mitzvah you do keep? And she said, the one mitzvah that I do keep is I wash Nagelwasser in that way. She said, Nagelwasser. I said, why? She said, because you wash off yesterday's negative energy and you start the day fresh. And that's reminding me, Hashem, every day when we wake up, Baruch Hashem, we get a new chance. Hamachadish Betuva, you're 100% right. It's a new chance, a new fresh start. So it didn't work yesterday, but today is a new day. I love that. That gives so much chizuk and power. Thank you. That's a beautiful thought. And I'm just blown away by it because you can use it in every area, just about in every area. And I also remember you saying a very beautiful line, a one-liner, and I'd love you to um, expound on it. You said, when you know what you look for, then the dating will be shorter. We were talking about finding what you want, what you need, then you won't be schlepping it for so long. Today, I mean, I've had some couples, I set up, go out for 20, 21 times, I still can't make that decision. And I feel like you're hundred percent right. When you go to the shop and say, I know what I'm looking for. Da, 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 da. It's either they have it or they don't. You move on. Can you expound on that? You know, there are certain things that are decisions in advance. Yeah. For example, some, some people feel that they must live near their elderly parents, or some people feel that, uh, that there's a, a boy could feel that he has a, a shlichut that's ready for him. He's been waiting to do this. He wants to live in this continent, not on that one. So these are decisions. And sometimes what happens is somebody is willing to make changes in these. But there can be strong, sometimes there are people you won't go out with yeah. because somebody could be 15 years older or younger than you might feel that's too much. Mm. So certain things are decisions that you say, no, this is not something I want. But if there are things that, you say, this is important to me, and this is something I want, then it doesn't take so long to find out if the person has the qualities that yeah. you're looking for. Yeah. And that's not so hard. And it's important to ask the questions and also to, to observe what's there. And then it's not so complicated. Yeah. And I agree with you that sometimes with the pictures on the profile, it doesn't even get past go. And it's sad because the person can have so much to give specifically for that particular person. And yet either the whoever saw the photo, the parent or the child, right away it's no without even judging who the person is. So I agree with that. And maybe next time we can talk in more detail about that. But well, I just want to say one thing about that. In yeah. terms of photographs, people have to be a little bit careful because they take photographs and put them on Facebook, on Instagram, pictures of them, you know, in places, walking on the beach barefoot with their skirts pulled up and somebody takes the picture and they put it there. And that makes it look like that's how they dress all the time while well, they are on the beach and they're with their friends. And maybe, so I have no comment on that. But when, when these pictures come out into the world and that is the picture that comes to the mother of the boy mm. and she looks at that picture and says, that's how she dresses all the time? Of course not. But she doesn't know the context. Right. So we have to be careful of the photographs that come out. Absolutely. Very important. Absolutely. And to 
be at your best. My other question is, um, you've had so much experience and I know I've, I've kept you for a long time and it's getting late in Los Angeles, but would you be able to give us two or three takeaway points from all your experiences that can help, you know, parents who are right now in the partial with their kids in Shittachim or people who are currently dating and they need just a, that little push or that little pointer to give them perspective. Can you give us like two or three points? What does it mean perspective? What, what, what kind of perspective are you thinking about? Well, you have so much experience. So maybe from the situations that you've encountered, like you probably said, you know, this is what I'm seeing right now. There's an issue with this and this and this right now. I wish people today would know this, or I wish moms uh, in Shadokim, the mothers would know that. Like three pointers that we could take away that are practical, that we could use, whether with our own children or Shatchanim can be be more mindful about, just in general, that you see right now would be a challenge in this area. One thing that I feel is really actually a problem is that a lot of times, just one moment, make sure my the plug is in here. That's okay. Uh, sometimes um, people, and, and a lot of times people complain to me about this, that the boys or the girls who are dating tell me, my mother doesn't really get who I am. Yeah. And she's looking for somebody who's not right for me. Yeah. And I have seen it. And I've seen what the parents want is something very different than what their child is. Mm -hmm. And I think they need to be realistic. First of all, they have to know, is this, is their child somebody who can grow and wants to grow? Or is that who they are? Yeah, it's fine to look for somebody a little above, mm -hmm. so that that person will be an inspiration. Mm -hmm. But they have to be realistic about it. Yeah. So sometimes what I have seen is that parents are looking for someone not suitable, and then the the kids go out again and again and again with people that were never right for them in the first place. So that's yeah. a real problem. Yeah. Uh, also, it's good to keep the shatchan in. Yeah. Because the system really makes it easier to say no quickly. Mm. If it's not right, of course, you should go out twice or maybe even three times. Mm -hmm. But if it's not right, then the shatchan should be told and let the shatchan say no. Right. And I don't think that there need to be great reasons for this. Because sometimes people are pressured a lot, and that's yeah. not good. That's yeah. not good. People have to come to their own yes or no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if the parents are not sure what their children want, mm -hmm. and I have seen that also, they need to sit down and say, let's talk about what kind of person you're looking for. And some people say, I don't know. When people say, I don't know, to me on a conversation, I say, that's not going to work. We're not saying, I don't know, yeah. you know, and I kind of inspire them to have answers. Mm -hmm. So if your child is saying, I don't know what I'm looking for, mm -hmm. there are many, you have to be imaginative. Let's think about your aunts and uncles. Yeah. Now, think about some, which uncle do you think has qualities that you would like to see? Mm -hmm. Or or Tati, what qualities of his would you like to see? 
Yeah. Or is there somebody that you think has a particularly wonderful marriage? What do you see there? So the parents have to be imaginative to that's pull out this information. Yeah, that's beautiful. So it doesn't have to be necessarily, they come with a list. I would love to see these two or three things. You can actually inspire them to possibly even reassess what they were thinking they wanted. Oh yeah, I love that uncle and aunt's marriage. I love how they relate. I love the personality that works. Oh no, that one doesn't work. I think that's much more practical because everybody says they want someone beautiful, funny, smart, kind. What does that mean? You know? So that was really, really, really helpful. And I'm so grateful we had a chance to talk. Are there any other comments or things you wanted to share? You know, you've, you've given well, us- There was one, one thing that I think is really important. Uh, the girl, when she's dating, she has to come to a yes mm -hmm. that feels right to her. Yeah. And- what that means is that that she has to know on the inside that it's a yes. And there's so many examples of this. You're you're looking to buy something, you know, a handbag, a pair of earrings. And we all know how that goes. You yeah. try this one, you look at that one, you say, no, thank you. That's too small. That's too big. And then you try something on and you're going back and forth and it's a maybe and you're not sure. And then at a certain point, if you have enough quiet you can come either to a, no, that's too long. I don't want long earrings like that. Or you know what? I don't even really want to take them off. They kind of look like me. Right. And then you have an inner yes. Mm -hmm. The girl has to come to that inner yes. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that the boy should not propose until he sees that she's ready. And right. it's okay for him to say, how do you think things are going? Not not every day, please. People sometimes, it's like they're taking each other's temperatures. It's really not a good idea. <laughs> checking on this psychology. And what do you think? How did the day go? No, not a good idea. Yeah. But it's okay for him at a certain point when he's ready to yeah. say, so how do you think things are going? If she feels that things are going great, she could say, they're going great. That mm -hmm. means he could propose at any time, green light. Yeah. But if she feels like she's not sure yet, mm -hmm. then she could say, oh, I think things are going fine, but I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. In right. other words, she's giving him a yellow light. It's not a, it's not a red light. It's not a no, but it's like a slow down a little bit. And I think that would be really helpful for boys to know that because yeah. there are times that boys propose and the girls are not ready to say yes. And then either the boy feels insulted or the yeah. girl feels pressure and she says yes before she's yet ready. And then they call me. And that's my last, that is, I do not like that because yeah. that's so difficult to fix. If mm -hmm. she would just say, you know, I'd like to get to know you better or something along those lines. She's just saying, I'm not ready. She shouldn't sure. say I'm not ready yet. Sure. Because that's kind of a promise. Right. Right. But she just said, I'd like to get to know you better or something like that. And then he feels like, okay, fine. Good enough. Can I ask you, so if a boy asks you, how does he know he's ready? What would you say? Or how would he know it's the right time to ask? You know, it's like what your father said, that if the, could you repeat that? Right. So if it's the right one, no one can convince you out of it. If it's the wrong one, no one can convince you into it. Okay. So if it's the wrong one, 
then what happens at a certain boys focus. <laughs> so what happens at a certain point is if the boy's focusing on a girl mm-hmm. and he loses the focus for whatever reason, he's not really that interested anymore, then mm-hmm. it doesn't work. He's just not interested. Yeah. But if he really, really likes her, the focus gets stronger mm-hmm. and he keeps seeing more of who she is and he keeps wanting more and more to ask. So that's good. But he has to make sure that she's ready to say yes. Right. So I really feel like if he has that focus and he's ready and he knows this is right, he should go for it. But yeah. one of the things men have to learn about women is they're not necessarily on the t- same time schedule. That's right. And sometimes, as he will find out when they're going to weddings, when they're married, it takes her longer often. And he might have to wait a little bit. So if she's not ready to say yes, this is, I'll just leave you with this story. Somebody that I helped with the shidduch, mm-hmm. he asked her to marry him. Mm-hmm. And she said, and I was so proud of him. I was speaking with both of them. She said, I guess so. Hmm. And he said, I don't want to, I guess so. Right. I want yes or no. So if this is, I guess so, then I guess you're not ready. Right. So he right. didn't back off from her, but he backed off from the question and right. he didn't push her. And when he told me, I said, I'm so proud of you. You didn't say, well, okay, I guess so. I, I'll take that for a yes. Don't do that. No, you Wait want- until she has a real yes. And then a couple of dates later, she's, she said yes, because then she was ready. She had integrated it. Right. I like that word integration. Um, okay. So how does that look like for real integrating? You're saying, and she feels secure. She feels he's the one because he makes her feel safe and comfortable. And that's what integration is. I like that. That's a beautiful word. Wow. It is. We've done, we've done a wonderful session today. And I really want to thank you for your time, Hannah Rachel. A and pleasure. To keep doing Amen. your good work. And we should have Cyrus Tivis and all of Kali Yisrael with more and more. Amen. Do you want to just give us your phone number in case somebody will call you to see in case they might be able to um, use your your services, your counseling with dating? Are you comfortable with that? Or would you prefer to leave it? Well, we could do that. Or you could put it on the, yeah, 323-697-8094. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Your husband with call to Tovzela. And I'm so glad and I, I will say here, thank you, Hashem, for allowing me to meet Hannah Rachel in Los Angeles airport. She gave me a lift. And that was the beginning of this podcast. And we're not going to end the podcast. We'll carry on because we have a lot more to talk about. So thank Bizrat you. So Hashem. Thank you again. My pleasure. And have a lovely Thank you. Evening. And Yasher Kach, keep doing your great work. Thank you. That's right, Hashem. Thank you so much. We share with Cyrus Taivas all around. Thank Amen. you. Thank you Amen. so much. All the best.